Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob Podcast. Today's guest was the recent winner of the Splash Maps Best Speaker Prize. So um, uh, at our London event in late September, uh, his name is Christian Dalla, and he is the creator of something called Direction of Travel which uh, I'll let him explain exactly what that is. But, um, but it was very impressive, and, and he did, was a deserved winner against very good competition a couple of weeks ago at GeoMob. So, Christian, welcome to the show. Who are you, and what do you do? Brilliant. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm Christian. I, I'm a, I have a guy with, who wears lots of hats, I think, but I'm here today to talk about um, a little side project that's become a big part of my life now called Direction of Travel, um, it's essentially a, a newspaper about um, airline vintage maps. So, you know, it comes out twice a year. Um, it focuses on all vintage maps that used to be published by uh, different airlines. Um, and it's just kind of an outlet, a different outlet for me. I work mostly online, so I, you know, create websites and digital maps, that kind of thing. So this is like a different creative outlet it's something that's in print it's a bit of an antidote to my sort of day-to-day um and so it's what's been interesting it sort of it crosses over with lots of different other disciplines um so yeah it's been going on for a couple of years now and it is absolutely beautiful we we had the pleasure of seeing a few copies uh at, at the geomob and it's it's really nice really impressive maps um Okay, so so let's dive into this. So you have a background in aviation of some sort, or you're just a, a, a fan of the space, or you're a hobbyist, or what? Um, so my background is in photography, but I've always had this sort of underlying interest in aviation in general. So that's been sort of an ongoing theme in my work. So I've done a lot of photography around flying. I've done various art projects around flying. So it's, it's always something that I've become, and as I, one of the things is that as older as I'm getting older as well, I'm becoming more obsessive about it, which is um, not less so. So I'm sort of slowly sort of kind of taking my obsessions a little bit more seriously, if that makes any sense. It's like, it used to be something I would sort of do a little bit quietly on the side. And as I'm getting older, I'm having a bit like, you know what, this is a big part of my life, and I need to take this more seriously. And also, I think there's a lot of people out there who have sort of share the same sort of interest um, so, and then, you know, I've been collecting maps, basically. I've been collecting airline maps for like a good 15 years. And they've been, you know, over time, they've, you know, it's been a, a sizable collection now. Um, and this is sort of an over overlooked area of graphic design in many ways, because it's, some of these maps are extraordinary in their quality and in what they say and in what they show. Um, and I've always felt that, you know, they were, yeah, a bit overlooked, basically. Yeah, I have to say, Christian, you this is setting a new bar for taking it seriously because over the years we've had many, many people at GeoMob who are very into maps and, and even some who collect maps. Not many people have made the leap to then actually create their own newspaper for it, and which was really, really impressive, actually. Um, so, so, so how did you get all these maps? How, it's just your own private collection? Or, or how did yeah. You- so it so I've just been buying them off eBay and Apebooks and other online outlets, just, you know, slowly, slowly, just buying them up. And then you go like, oh, that looks like a nice one. Let's say United Airlines from 1950s. And you go, that's a nice one. And then because I have a little bit of a collector's gene, I suppose, you go, oh, I want the full collection from that period. And then you start hunting them down. You go, oh, okay, now I got it. That's great. And then you come across other ones, you know, let's say... Uh, 
more rare ones like a Kuwait Airways map because they have, you know they don't make many. Um, and then you know you just start slowly just kind of collating these together and then you start grouping them together. Um, and there was a point when I was doing um, before my son was born, I did a um, a flight around the world. I thought this would be my last chance to have like a long trip without my family and just sort of get it out of my system. And I visited the San Francisco Airport Museum um, and I just emailed them and said, hey, can I come and have a look at your collection? And they said, yeah, sure. So I turned up and they spent a the whole day with me going through with everything I had. And I just sort of realized that I had, an, I was sitting on an incredible collection. If they had what they were showing me, then I was also sitting on something quite extraordinary. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. Because you never know when you collect how much you have compared to other people. You don't, there's no measurement. You don't, can't say, oh, I got the full thing. It's just you do it because you love it and because you love the material, you love the design, you love the sort of vintage feel of it. Um, What's the focus of your collection? Any, any uh, airline map? Or do you focus on particular um, regions or airlines or, or styles or uh, just anything that strikes your fancy? Some basic anything that's like a fancy and anything that looks visually interesting. So something that it has to be sort of something beautiful. It can, doesn't have to be actually it doesn't have to be beautiful. Sometimes you'll buy a map because it's showing a route that never been visualized before, or you will buy a map because it it you know it fills in a gap in your collection. Sometimes you go, oh, I don't have anything about that area. Um, well, the ones the ones you showed at the event in September, I, I, many of them were actually very beautiful and very you know, kind of on the edge between cartography and graphic design and, and really evoked kind of the golden age of of, of aviation before, uh, you know, the Ryanair's and easy just of the world kind of destroyed it, I guess. And it, and it just became about, like, uh, you know, spending more money so you can have more uh, luggage space or something like that. I mean, it really fantastic. So um, tell, tell us about some of your favorites or what, what, what so, do you, what do you I mean, like about so- so um, it, the ones actually I like the most at the moment, I mean, it tends to change. There was a moment when I thought, oh, you know, this is the most extraordinary thing, like an Air France massive thing that rolls out from the 1950s by, um, I thought this was extraordinary, it's like a pictorial style map, it was amazing. The ones I like the most at the moment are ones that I find in like 1950s in-flight magazines. And they, like, they, you, that I haven't seen before. And that's this moment of discovery that I'm going through, which, because I'm buying these things without knowing if there's a map inside or without knowing, also often I buy them because I think there might be, I have this hunch there might be. So I, I would say like I'll, I'll buy 10 of, let's say, Sabina Review from 1950s and then they'll arrive and there'll be no maps in them. And I'll be like, okay. Um, so it's always a little bit of a gamble, but then you do have that element of surprise, which I find really wonderful where you go, you open it, you go, oh my goodness, that is extraordinary. That's this beautiful thing that I've never seen before. I've never seen it online. I've never seen it in a single place. And I think... That comes just from doing it again, for just from buying up maps and looking at maps over and over and over again. You learn where to find them and where to look for them. And it's sort of just, you know, you know, you would, I'll sometimes look at a cover of a timetable and I'll go, I think this period had a nice map inside it. I think so. But I don't know because the guy who was selling it doesn't upload the map itself. It's just a cover. So you buy it and then often you are quite surprised there is a really nice map inside. Um, so... So it's a bit of a bit of a blind sort of dip into the ocean. You go, okay, here's something interesting. Um, and then take us through the thought process that led you to think, you, to, to make the decision you need to produce your own newspaper around this. What, 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 what moved you from collector to publisher? So 
in the I've been looking at the sort of space. I've been thinking of, about how can I possibly share this collection in in a way that makes it that's exciting. You know, I was like, I set up an Instagram account years and years ago, and I posted bits and pieces, but it it it's not that satisfying. You know, you're just sort of throwing it out there, and it all gets squeezed down to a square image, and you don't really get a sense of the material and everything else. And then I looked at creating, um, I was doing some dummy design for a potential book, but it just was such a daunting project. I was like, that's going to take years and years to do. Um, and it really, it, huge undertaking for me. And I thought, it's not quite what I want to do either, because you seem sort of, once you've done the book, that's it, you move on. And you don't, you, and what I also really wanted to do was to do uh, periodicals, something that would come out regularly. So I thought a magazine, again, wouldn't quite tick the box because you end up, the, the maps become quite small and that's what often happens when you see them reproduced they're quite small and I thought a newspaper would make the material really accessible and you can go really big sometimes one-to-one as well which is uh, really nice what's what's kind of the process I mean how much work is it to produce a newspaper and how does it how much what does that cost and uh, you know what kind of print run do you have um so the the process is it used to be fairly quick the first couple of months I pushed out quite quickly and maybe yeah and then now it's probably taking me a good six months to produce a single issue um just because you go through so many different design iterations I mean it's only 24 pages and so it's not a massive amount of pages at the moment but it's just what what I do is I try to in, include maps that are interesting visually so it's a real there's a real careful selection going on about what goes next to each other and what do they tell you about the, the, the history of design at the time and the history of the cartography at the time and also the history of aviation at the time because it's all together. So you end up sort of slowly working that way out. And then what I do now as well is that I, I try to write something about the maps as well or about the period. Right, so that I was going to ask, is it, is it purely visual? I mean, I did look at one at the event, but it was, I was mainly just looking at the maps. Do you also have commentary on each map or just kind of a general um, so that's commentary or and and I know I noticed you you kind of you you pick two different airlines for each edition is that is that right that's the that's right I mean that's that was the that's the idea because I like to juxtapose things together because it, it creates an interesting sort of contrast you know the two different airlines at the same time like I did the third issue was all about um, Swiss Air and Alitalia I thought it would be quite nice to look at the you know two countries and two airlines that were geographically very close to each other you know, but so different in their visual language and in the way they operate. Um, so, and their graphic identity, everything about them is different, but they're still, they're so close. So I thought that would make a quite nice issue. Um, and um, the one, the fourth one that's out at the moment is um, Japan Airlines and Air India. So again, that was me going, you know, I didn't, I didn't just want to do Western Europe or the States. I always want to look at maps that are made by, you know, the uh, in Asia, which is much trickier to find and it's we, you know we don't and i'm sure there's a huge amount of maps i've never come across in that area of the world which is a real but that's part of the game you know we only see what we're exposed to um so there's a lot of detective work but basically so i designed the issue i then tried to write some essays some of the essays will now be a bit more speculative i call them so i've just finished one which is the a short history of circumnavigation so i look at circumnavigation by air and that kind of thing the idea of it um, Very cool. and yeah so it's just because I think you know people when you got people's attention and they are reading something you something you can catch them and you can kind of give them something they might not expect um, it's an opportunity to sort of just to kind of engage with, with an audience in a way 
in a, just to kind of get them in, get them thinking. And I also kind of what I've realized is that the project isn't just about oh here's some great maps. It's what I call for now. It's become more about the culture of flying as well. So like you know what is it what is it what does it all mean? What is it? What, well, also where is it going? Is another question. But also culturally where has what does flying meant what does it mean to us you know what does it allow us to do what doesn't it allow us to do how where does it sit politically you know the fact we can't fly over soviet airspace sorry russian airspace at the moment you know what does that mean to flying and stuff like that you know i think it's all terribly interesting and the maps tell a great story that you know it's a great way to kind of it's a great gateway into that world if you know what i mean Yes. Yeah. I mean, that that was the coolest part about it is that it, it, you're immediately transported back to a different time where aviation had a kind of different status and was much more exotic and much more, uh, you know, to a degree, I guess that's kind of been lost in that now, of course, you know, anyone can go to Heathrow and you can fly anywhere and it, it's not, it's not as exotic as it once was. So, um but we should we should clarify one point because this is not purely a hobby, right? This is an actual business. You're you're selling these newspapers. Tell us a little bit about that side of things. How how much does it cost, and how do you sell them? Who buys them? <laughs> so let's. I think who buys them is an interesting question because it's it's kind of come as a bit of an it's a been an interesting journey for me to kind of realize that my audience. When I first did it, I thought it was going to be a sort of a very niche audience. Oh, yeah, a newspaper about vintage airline maps sounds super niche. But it kind of crosses over lots of different um, interests. You know, you have people who are really into graphic design. You have people who are really into flying. You have really people into maps, you know. There's there's all those bits. And then there's people who are not into any of them but still interested. So I think the audience is, in my mind, much bigger than I thought it was going to be. Not that I'm, I'm not selling that many at the moment, but... Because that's more mainly a question of just PR, because people don't know about it. I just need to, you know, it, that's a huge part of my work is trying to get out there and talk about it and show it. And when people see it, they go like, you're doing what? And then they're interested, you know, most, not all of them. People people purchase it off your website or are you actually in physical yeah. shops or anything? Like out the airport or something? Or how does it... Well, that would be cool. I would love that. But no, at the moment, they, they can buy it off the website and they can also, there's a couple of shops that sell them as well. There's... Um, one of my early supporters is a shop here in London called Mac Culture, uh, where they have been selling all the issues so far. And then I now have a couple of outlets in New York as well, which is great. Um, it's a Casa magazine in the West Village, which is really nice. Um, and then I uh, Monaco have been very um, supportive as well. So in their shop in Zurich are selling it. Um, so there's a couple, and I'm they're working on more. But it's you know distribution is always a bit of a tricky one. You need to get there's a lot of legwork involved because. You know, you don't want to just send people a JPEG or a PDF or here, look at this. You need to send actual copies out. So it's all costly. Um, you know, so it takes a time and it's like some shops will go, oh, we're not sure. That's, you know, it just takes time to build up a sort of understanding and audience who go, oh, okay, I understand what you're trying to do. You know, you are, and the fact that it, that I'm essentially publishing everything bit by bit. It's a, I, I see it a little bit like I'm trying to finish a really large book, but I'm doing it per chapter so that Ideally, at the end, um, it's kind of based on um, a mathematician called Donald Knuth, Knuth, I think, who basically he's, he's, he writes about computer programming. And every once in a while, he publishes a new volume. And the idea that at some point his work will be, well, I don't know, it will be done, but it will be sort of complete to some extent. And I'm kind of like the idea that what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to complete a really big project, but I'm breaking it into bits so I can kind of like delve into detail one bit at a time 
And then eventually I'll have this sort of giant body of work, hopefully, or like some kind of coherent mass of newspapers that tells the story of flying. And so is the eventual plan that that'll all come into one book, I guess? I don't know. I, I, it, that would be, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying not to think too far ahead. I'm just sort of, at the moment, I'm just sort of keeping my head down and doing one volume at a time. Um, because it's just, I'm doing volume, because it's also, you know, projects tend to morph and change as you work on them. So, you know, you might start out thinking, oh, this is, I know what I'm doing, I'm trying to plan it. But then you get feedback and you learn about what you're doing and then the product just evolves. Well, it's a bit like... Yeah, that was going to be my next question. What, what kind of feedback have you gotten from the readers? Is it what you expected or is it different? Or what? I've, I've had people who go like they can't get enough of it, which is obviously great. But the best feedback is always the people who go like, oh, you need to put, put things a bit more in a context. You know, you need to basically do more writing or you need to... You know, there needs to be a little bit more of an editing on the maps. I mean, it's a bit being very positive generally, you know. Um, so, and so I've been trying quite hard to try to thematically line things up and keep them current, keep it interesting, but also create something which doesn't, which can be read in a couple of years' time and doesn't feel like it's dated, you know, which is hard, you know, obviously. Um, so I'm sort of just building it up, you know, just trying to, every issue I'm trying to do something slightly new to it or I will like, uh, maybe do a, a new essay. I got these things now called airport portraits where I talk briefly about um, an airport somewhere that has a that played a key role in the history of flying. Um, and I've got a pilot now who writes what it's like to fly into those airports. So, you know, you know, so that's really cool. And I'm like, I've got some, a couple of other things I would like to include as well, just to give a bit more of them. Um, you know, you look at the map, but you don't, how does it all connect? What does it actually mean? And what does it look like when I'm, you know, sitting at the front of the plane landing here? Um, well, I hope you got some good feedback after uh, your talk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know uh, a lot of people are checking out the, the newspaper and frankly, I mean, Christian, you shouldn't, under, you, it really set a new bar because as I said, we've had, we had many, many people who like maps, who have collections of maps. You know, but now, now my go-to question whenever someone's like, "Oh, I really like maps," I'm be like, "Really? Show me your newspaper." Unless they produce <laughs> a newspaper, it's hard for me to take them seriously. So, um. well, you know, it's it's what's so great. I think it's uh, the the ability for people like me just to make a newspaper. It's it's you know the print and demand services are out there. So technically, it's not you know it's not complicated. It's just about it just takes time. You know, designing and having those skills are obviously necessary to some extent. But at the end of the day, I think. A lot of these, you know, it's just, you just need to have an, you know, it can be done, you know, it's just about sort of saying, you know, you can do very small print runs, you know, I started out doing like 20 copies and I'll just go like, hey, do you interested? Do you want to buy this, you know? Um, and then it slowly picks up. I mean, I'm still doing very small numbers, don't get me wrong, but you can start these products with a very small sort of footprint financially and just sort of test it out, see what the reception is like, you know? Um and then the best thing you can do is just to go around and say to shops and go, hey, are you interested? And then they'll go, most of the time, they'll, you won't hear back. But every once in a while, somebody will say, yes. And then you go, great, you know. Uh, um. Very, very cool. I, I mean, I think this is one of, the, one of the themes that keeps coming up at Geomob over the years is that the barriers to doing cool things have gotten, have fallen so much, be it, you know, as you say, doing doing a small print run, be it uh, getting geodata, be it uh, the various technical tools that we have available to do very cool visualizations and things. Those barriers have really 
you know, just in the last 10, 15 years, we've seen such innovation there. And now really the limit is people's creativity and perseverance and dedication and willingness to put in the time. So, Yeah, I mean, there's also, there's a whole world, there's a massive world of indie publishing now. You know, there's all kinds of titles out there. So it's like even things like mine have a have a space there, which is which is great, you know. And there's there's so always there really is no limit there. And there's also slowly this you know distribution's getting better, and there are shops out there who carry all kinds of titles, all kinds, you know. And I've always found, especially when you work online, I mean, I've had this sort of really need for myself just to get something out on print when you just sit in front of a screen all day. There's this such an important and satisfying element. And it's like, you know, if I want to hand somebody a Christmas present, I don't, I'm not going to give them a, a like, say, oh, here's a link to somebody you can download. Or here, you know, if you give them a newspaper, they go, oh, okay, that's, it's, yeah, that's nice, you know. There is definitely a value in having something tangible, particularly with the, with the map is in that, you mm. know, like, like at the pub after, after GMOB, everyone can gather around and, you know, yeah. point at mm. it and be like, oh, I was there, then I went there, you know, kind of tell their story. And, you know, it's the same thing with the, the splash maps that, that the winner gets and things. I mean, that's the value is not that it's a map, it, that it's a tangible map. And, and it, 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 it's a conversation starter and it opens the, the discussion. So It's also, I think, there's, there's, you know, the maps we have, you know, the, the technology with mapping online is incredibly exciting. We do so many things. But, you know, on paper, I can still take it and I can fold it out. It's a wholly different thing, you know. Yep. And there's something, you know, some of the, my favorite maps are foldable ones. The ones I can just, you know, it just comes out and then you go, oh, and then you turn it around and you go, oh, oh my goodness, this is absolutely extraordinary. You know, the, the, the density of information here. And I'm not, I can just, I can fold it back together and put it into my pocket. And it's just a lovely little object that you can take with you. Um, and I think, you know, with the newspaper, there's the same idea as well. It was, you know, you could roll it up and you can just, and it's not too precious. I think that's the other thing I really wanted. I didn't want to create a really precious coffee table style object. I wanted something people could just kind of enjoy. And yes, a bit temporary, but it's there. And it's like, it's as temporary as the original objects were, you know. Um, hopefully they'll keep it, but yeah. What is your favorite map in your collection, or what is your favorite style or genre, or, or tell us some of your so one of the hits from would, the collection? So the the real sort of the, one of my sort of real treasures are probably like photographic maps at the moment. So maps where photography plays some role, or another like often it'll be an overlay of like a rainforest with like a root map on top of it, which right. is some of the things I've I've discovered recently, and I've just this extraordinary whole world of that. But then the flip side of that is this sort of more it's the pictorial maps from the 50s where there's little tiny illustrations from each country and it's just so rich in detail and, and also so rich in stereotype. That's the other thing. So, you know, they'll have so stereotypical, they were like, this is what the States is like and there'll be an absolute stereotypical little illustration of... So they'll have like the, that, you know. the cowboy in Texas. Yeah, yeah the, exactly, the, exactly. The, the woman in a hula skirt in Hawaii and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. yeah, exactly. I mean, they wouldn't exactly, they wouldn't, you know, hold up today. Nobody would make it like that today, but they do. But I mean, that's what they were made at the time. That's what it was like. That's how, you know, the, the, that's the nature of the, I mean, they were, you know, essentially marketing. They were, you know, advertisement for the, for the airline. Well, that raises a good question. Which airlines are making good maps these days? Or, or are you, or is anyone? I mean, they seem very functional now when I see them. It's just very straightforward, not... 
they have, they've just been kind of reduced to just pure information. You like you look at you know the back pages of some of them, and it's just like a oh here's Europe with some dots on it, and then you're going okay, I don't really care. You know, you just look at it; it's just forgettable. Yeah, normally, and normally then, it's next to the page, which is like here's how you fill out your immigration form or something. You know, it's very perfunctory. It's not there's no yeah. pleasure. It's it's not art at all. It's it's just no. Like, and I think you know the the real work that's happening now is is in, is the in flight map where they're putting huge efforts into trying to make that more in, you know in, so they want to. Because they have you as a captive, you're an audience that are captured in front of your screen for hours. So they're yeah. trying to, so they can sort of engage you. They want, I, mean, I think the future will be that you can buy tickets immediately for the next flight while you are on your existing flight, you know. But it's, again, it's a very different experience. You know, you can, I think there's a couple, like somebody like Air Canada still makes a really nice in-flight map. Um, but, you know, there's... It's just not priority at the moment. And the other thing as well is like airlines change their, net, their route network so quickly that it's simply not feasible for them to print a map and distribute it. It's not going to, you know, it doesn't work. You know, they change so often. Yeah, that's a, good, that's so, a fair point, yeah. You know, they just, they also, you know, they're, they're just coming out of a massive, um, out of COVID and they're just just rebuilding at the moment. I mean, they're all making good money now. They really are. They're all coming back at the moment um, with profits for the first time since COVID. So, but it's just not priority, and I think it's people are interested in arriving at their destinations on time. Maybe with their luggage, that would be an added bonus. Um, so it's, but it's still, I think you know, modern flying is, is to to a large extent not, not all the time, but it's just a slog. You know, that's not it's not a. And then when you're finally on the plane, you're like almost too exhausted to enjoy it. But it's 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 not always the case, obviously. But yeah, um, no, the, the the glamour is definitely gone. It's it's. Uh... You're basically on like a, a subway train that happens to be going through the air, kind of uh, yeah, feels like. Yeah. So. yeah. So, you know, I think something like this would maybe make people at least, I still kind of think about what, you know, what would I do if somebody say, hey, commission me to do something for, uh, for an airline now. How would I do it? I think about that and go like, mm, okay, how could I kind of engage? What, how could you take all those lessons, all those ideas and kind of like crystallize them into a, a, a product for the future? For that's not just nostalgia, not just backwards looking, but things about what happens next, you know. And with this sort of sustainable aviation movement, the rest of it, I think there are some exciting possibilities. But we are still just just baby steps. Yeah. Well, that's a that's an open challenge to all the cartographers out there that are listening. <laughs> I guess of which we do have several. We do, we have had several um, cartographers over the years on the podcast and and come to speak at the events. So. Um. But maybe one of them can take that up. So, Christian, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come uh, come talk to us here on the podcast, and and also uh, I should mention um, at, at the event a couple weeks ago, you jumped in the last minute because one of the one of the um, speakers had to cancel because he was sick. So, um, well done to for for jumping in at the last second, and and of course, well done for winning the best speaker prize. And uh, as I said, very deserved. I, I advise everyone out there to. Check out your website, and um, if possible, check out one of the physical newspapers. It's very, very cool. Um, and hopefully, now we'll see you as a regular at GeoMob London in the future. Um, I actually did look at your website. I mean, not just Direction of Travel, but your your personal website, and you have some other very cool projects there as well. That maybe we'll get you to come by and give a talk about at some point as well. So, 
Cool. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was really it's a pleasure. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you beyond, of course, we'll have the, the links in the show notes, but um, I mean, you know, can people you know, contact you? Should they contact you? Or, yeah, uh, definitely. Absolutely. I'd love to hear from people who are interested in this. Absolutely. It's always, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think one of the things about doing this is that I've had more feet, more sort of contact with other people. Let's say you launch a website, you launch a digital product. You don't really hear from your, what we call users very much. You know, they sort of, they're out there, but with this, or you hear from them if there's a problem with something. But here, you hear you hear from people if there's something positive, and it's really nice. That is right. So it, you know, and so I, in that regard, I think that 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 kind of connection with people and, and being able to share things with them as well is really wonderful. You know, I mean, you know, essentially creating a little bit of audio, a bit of a. I don't want to use the word community here, but it's just create some kind of connection with somebody else who has similar interest, and it makes you feel like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. You know, and that's nice. A fellow um, fan. A fan of the yeah. genre. So. Yeah. Well, all right, listeners. If if you if you like Christian's work, then please do get in touch with him. And um, yeah, I mean, Christmas is coming up, so it makes a great gift for any aviation <laughs> or mapping fans. So um, you know, check it out. Thanks very much for coming on the show, Christian. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can also follow us on Twitter where our handle is GeoMob. Thanks again for listening and hope to see you at a GeoMob event soon.